Amen, amen. All right, I am one of the pastors here at Holland Chapel. My name is Todd. And for the last two months, we have been walking through Hebrews chapter 11 in our Kingdom Heroes series. Verse 1 of chapter 11 reads, Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. And that gives us our working definition of faith, which is trusting that God exists and keeps his promises. The rest of the chapter then reads like a walk through a Hall of Fame museum as we see example after example of men and women who lived by faith, worshiping God, obeying God, waiting on God, having conviction from God, taking risks for God. Now today, we're at the end of this series. We're wrapping it up. And you may be like that student who's struggling with homework and in frustration they complain, why do I even need to know this? I'm never going to use this when I get out of school in the real world. And so we may be at the end of Hebrews 11 and we say, why do we even need to, to know this? Is this just another history lesson? Well, today we're going to see very clearly that Hebrews 11 isn't there in the Word of God just for our faith information, but it's for our faith transformation. If you can, go ahead and turn to Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to pick up in verse 32. The scripture will also be on the screen and if someone uh, can get there in one of those uh, black Bibles under the seat backs, I would like to borrow it. So first person, Bible drill, Hebrews 11, 32, we got it, all right. Muchos gracias. Whoop. Hebrews eleven thirty-two, And maybe you have been... Maybe you've been to a museum before and you've been stopping at every exhibit and you've been reading every display. You're about halfway through that museum and you start to get hungry and you look at your watch and you realize that you have been there for two hours. So you gather up the group that's with you and you say, all right, guys, we got 15 minutes to see the rest of this museum. So no stopping and reading anything. We're going to speed walk. Just look at the pictures as we go by. Some of you have been there, and, and in Hebrews 11, we're at that point in the chapter. All right? Been taking our time, looking at these kingdom heroes, and now it's a speed walk through the rest of it. So let's pick it up in verse 32. The Word of God reads like this. How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories Again, so here, let's speed walk. We don't have time for this. It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength 
They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back again from death. And let's pause right there. And we say, oh, thank you, God, for your word. Open our eyes to see wonderful things here. What do we see here? Well, we've got a list, a few names. We don't go into details about their stories, but some of those names may ring a bell. Uh, David, Samson, Samuel, and then just all the prophets or the rest of the prophets are just lumped together. And then, and then we get a highlight of some of their exploits, right? And go ahead and put that, 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 that slide up. We get a highlight of some of their exploits. And, and we read that by faith, they saw God shut the mouths of lions. And, and we might think of Daniel. And, and they walked in the flames. And we might think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They received loved ones back from the dead. And we think about the prophets Elijah and Elisha and the miracles that God did through them. And we say, wow, it must have been exciting to have faith to follow God back then. I want to tell you that there is still excitement and adventure to be had today in following Jesus. Uh, a little uh, recommendation, a little tip from me to you either to freshen up your Bible devotions or to help give you a good foundation on, on what all's in this book, this Holy Spirit-inspired Word of God, I would encourage you to uh, pick up a children's Bible. You know, the ones with pictures, like we're looking at on the screen right there. Pick up a children's Bible and, and, and read through that uh, for some of your Bible devotions this week. Uh, look at... Uh, read some of the summaries about these heroes of the faith and, and the, the mighty miracles and things that God did through them. Uh, I think it might freshen up your Bible devotions. I think it might help lay a foundation uh, for us in knowing God's Word. So just a little recommendation from me to you. And now we continue. We're halfway through verse 35 here. We see just get a glimpse of, of God doing these incredible miracles. And it seems like, wow, it must be awesome. <laughs> it must be awesome to have faith in God. And we pick up halfway through verse 35. But, oh, but, oh, oh things are going to change here. But others were tortured refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at, and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons. Some died by stoning some were sawed in half, and others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world, 
wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. And we say, we thought this was a passage about faith in God and him performing incredible miracles and making everything okay. Let's emphasize here that it was by faith that they were tortured. It was by faith that they were chained in prisons. It was by faith that they were killed and by faith that they were forced to hide in caves. Living for God, living by faith, isn't all about health and prosperity. Sometimes the healing doesn't come. Sometimes, as we read about here in this passage, we don't experience deliverance. The answer is not always yes in the immediate. Jesus himself said in John chapter 16, verse 33, he says, I've told you these things. He's been, he's been having a little chat with his close friends. We call them the disciples. And he says, I, I've told you these things so that you may have peace in me. Peace. And then listen to the next things that come out of his lips, the next words. He says, I've told you this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will face many trials and sorrows. Peace, trials and sorrows. How do those go together? I've told you these things so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will face many trials and sorrows, but take heart. I have overcome the world. See, these believers, look, at, look back at verse 35. These followers of God, they were by faith suffering and, and imprisoned and killed. They were trusting that God exists and keeps his promises. But his promises aren't just about here. His promises aren't just about this life. His promises don't just last 50 years, they last 500 million years. His promises are about the resurrection. His promises are about life on the new earth. When Jesus comes to make all things right and there will be no more pain and no more tears and no more sin and no more death. Verse 35. They place their hope in a better life after the resurrection. They had faith in God, and it wasn't faith that things were gonna get better in the immediate, but it was that ultimately God exists and he keeps his promises, and they were looking forward to that better life, that better place that we're looking forward to today as well. Verse 39, we're wrapping up the chapter. 
All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. They were kingdom heroes, heroes of the faith. They earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God had something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection without us. See, ultimately, they were still looking forward to the fulfillment of God's promises, just like we are. But they lived by faith. And then here, here's the turning point. Here's the switch. Here's where we get the answer to the question, like that student struggling with homework. Why do I even need to know this? Why is Hebrews chapter 11 here? Look at chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, whenever you're reading the Bible and you see the word therefore, stop. Say, what is that therefore? Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses, all the kingdom heroes that we've been looking at from Hebrews 11, even the ones that we had to speed walk by, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Here's, here's the deal. This is why this matters. This is why it's about more than just faith information, filling our heads with knowledge, but about faith transformation. Right here. The kingdom heroes, all these folks from Hebrews 11, they've already run their race. And now it's our turn. Now it's our turn. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're in the race now. You're on the track. These heroes of faith, these heroes from Christian history, they've already run their race. And they've shown us, they've shown us that by faith, you can obey God even when those around you are not. They've shown us that by faith, they've run their race, and they've shown us that by faith, even when your circumstances are crummy, you can still worship God. They've shown us, as they run their race, that by faith, even when the consequences might be severe, you can take risks for Jesus. They've run their race, and, and they've shown us That by faith you can wait on God. You can have conviction from God. And now it's our turn. The Christian life is not meant to be boring. We don't have to just exist. We don't have to just go through the motions. We don't have to just make it till Friday we can experience excitement, <laughs> adventure. We can get the adrenaline rush from following Jesus, staying on the track and running the race that he has for us. You say, but I'd rather be in the bleachers where it's safer and it's more comfortable watching others. It is safer and more comfortable for sure, especially if you, you bring those, your own cushions with you with the seat back and the bleachers, all right? It's safer and more comfortable, but guess what? If you're following Jesus, 
you're on the track, you're in the race, on your marks, get set, go. You say, but I'm just a student. Oh, I don't need to take Jesus too seriously. Well, guess what? You're in the race. You, you, you say, but I'm, I'm new to the faith. I, I don't even know what next step to take. Well, hey, welcome to the race. You say, but I'm retired. I've already been there, done that. Well, if you're still breathing, then you need to still be running for Jesus. You say, well, I'm a single parent. I'm so busy. I'm, I'm exhausted. Yes, I absolutely believe you. And guess what? You're still on the track running the race for Jesus. Long distance running can be hard, can be exhausting. As the miles start to stack up, if you're on one of these long runs, you might experience muscle cramps, blisters. Energy feels like it's just been zapped from you. Your legs start to feel like logs. You want to quit. And for you marathoners, that's when you realize you still have 6.2 miles to go. Hebrews 12.1 says, what about running this race? It says run with endurance. Because just like long distance running is hard, living by faith is hard. This world is tough. It will knock you down. Sometimes our circumstances are crummy. Oh, and we doubt God's plan. Sometimes we get distracted by shiny things and we get off course. Hmm. Temptation gets a hold of us. and We chase after it for a little while. When that happens... When you come to your senses, get back in your lane and start running for Jesus again. When you get knocked down because your circumstances are crummy, you're overwhelmed and you don't know how you can worship God in that situation, get back up and start running for Jesus again. Throughout this series, we've not only looked at heroes of the faith from chapter 11 in the Old Testament, but we've also looked at Christian history. And in Christian history, we've seen men and women who have also run their race. They're now with Jesus, but they've served as examples for us. Today, I want to share with you someone who's not from Christian history, but is a contemporary of ours. Because as we realize that, hey, we're on the track now, we're running the race now, I want to share about someone who's also running with us right now. Uh, Johnny Erickson Tata. At the age of 17 years old, she was swimming in the Chesapeake Bay on the East Coast, and she took a careless dive into shallow water. She hit the bottom, and it left her paralyzed from the neck down. And for over 50 years now, she's lived as a quadriplegic. Some crummy circumstances came her way at a young age. She could have stopped running the race. She could have stopped living by faith. But she went on to become an author, and she is an artist, holding the paintbrush between her teeth. She's the founder and president of Johnny and Friends, 
an organization that in the name of Jesus blesses people with disability, physical disabilities all over the world. Shortly after her accident, when she was in the hospital recovering, mentally, emotionally, she didn't know if she could do it. She didn't know if she wanted to go on living. She certainly didn't know what it would look like. She wasn't thinking about 50 years from then. She was thinking about that day. And she prayed, God, if I can't die, please show me how to live. And he answered a prayer that day. And every day since, he's answered that prayer. And he's shown her how to live by faith, how to worship, how to obey, how to take risks. He showed her each day how to run the race. You may be in that position today. And you're like, I don't know. I don't know if I can follow Jesus while I'm struggling with addiction. I don't know. I don't know if I can obey while I'm dealing with this peer pressure to conform to others. I don't know if I can worship while I'm dealing with this family or work turmoil. You can pray like Johnny did. God, show me how to live. God, show me how to worship, how to wait, how to obey, how to take risks. God, show me how to run the race you have set before me. And he will answer that prayer. After you've eaten, after you've eaten a good meal, like a good one, like, huh, like, like, you go to your grandma's and she's been working all day getting it ready for you. And you know there's a lot of food and you know there's a lot of good food. Now, after eating the main course, generally our appetites are satisfied, right? But then she says, would anyone like dessert? And you're like, I don't need dessert. But did I hear you say apple pie? Yeah, yeah, I want, I want dessert. So dessert is a bonus. And I've got a little bonus for you today, so you can call this apple pie. Notice the pronouns in chapter 12, verse 1. It doesn't say that you are running the race. It doesn't say that I am running the race. Plural pronouns here. We are running the race together. <laughs> Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 gives us some help here. It says, let's consider how we may spur one another on or motivate one another towards love and good deeds. Let's think about how we can motivate, how we can encourage each other to run this race. And then it says, let's keep meeting together. Let's keep meeting together so that we can encourage each other, right? Uh, if, if, if you are uh, jogging on your own, it's easy to go slow and to quit when you get tired. But if you're jogging with others, 
You can go faster than you can on your own, and you can run for further than you can on your own. Uh, earlier this year, I read a book by Michael Crawley uh, called Out of Thin Air, and it was about long-distance running in Ethiopia. And in it, the author, uh, what he did for 18 months, he lived and trained with long-distance runners in Ethiopia uh, just to observe, like, man, <laughs> how are these folks so fast? And one thing that he noticed is the competitive runners, and these, these are folks who are chasing international and Olympic medals. They trained in groups. They didn't go out and practice on their own. They trained in groups. In fact, one of those competitive runners told him to be changed, that is to improve your, your speed and your distance, to be changed, to become a better runner, to be changed, you have to run with others. So, I ask you to think about who is encouraging you to run the race? Who is it that, that you look forward to seeing in, in one of our HC groups or on Sunday mornings uh, because it just encourages you to, to see them following God? Who is it that, 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 that encourages you, that challenges you towards love and good deeds? Who, who, might, who, who might hold you accountable to keep running the race? Who, who is it in your life that's helping you run for Jesus? Hopefully, you've got some folks around you. And I know if you're here this morning that we've got a church community here. And there's some folks who want to be running close with you. So if you say, I've got nobody running with me. There's some other folks who want to come alongside you and spur you on, and they, they want you spurring them on and motivating them on. And so now let's flip that question. Who are you encouraging? Who are you helping to run the race? Who are you helping to pick up the pace? Who are you saying, hey, come on, you can keep worshiping. You can keep obeying. Come on, you can do it. You can take this risk for Jesus. So that's your apple pie. <sighs> And the only thing better than apple pie is apple pie a la mode. So here's your ice cream. Notice the focus. Verse 2. We didn't read it, but verse 2 says, we do this. We run the race. Right? We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Notice the focus of our faith. Running the race that God has set before us, living by faith, trusting that he exists and that he keeps his promises. It's not so much about us. It's not so much about what you or I can do, how great we are, how much willpower we have. It's not so much about, about how hard we believe, oh, I really hope this happens, but it's about who our faith is in. And when we look to Jesus, we see one who is good. We see one who is faithful. We see one who conquered the grave. And we place our faith in him and we know that he exists and we know that he keeps his promises and so we're looking forward to his return. We're looking forward to the new earth. We're looking forward to a time where there'll be no more death, no more sin, no more pain. <laughs> you say, how do I keep my eyes fixed on Jesus? Start, start your day with these two questions. Who am I trusting today? Who am I living for today? And the answer is Jesus. Let's pray. Almighty God, we believe that you do exist. We believe that you made the heavens and the earth. We believe that you are powerful. We believe that you are personal. We believe that you sent Jesus Christ and he took our place. He became a sacrifice for our sin. 
And we believe that he rose from the dead on the third day. We believe that your promises are true. We believe that you are good and faithful. Help us, God, to keep our eyes fixed, to run with endurance, to worship you, to obey you, to take risk for you, to wait on you, to have conviction. And God, show us how to help one another run this race as well. Amen.